Good morning. Happy Sabbath and Merry Christmas. Can you believe we're only a week away from Christmas? Yes? No? I know it's hard. This is San Diego after all. It feels like spring. But everywhere you go, you see the signs of Christmas. As I mentioned, our neighbors just down the street love the lights and the decorations. Has anyone seen the giant bear? Has anyone seen the giant? Yeah, okay, you've seen it. It's right on the roof as you exit here. You'll see him. He might be deflated, but there's a giant bear on the roof with the Christmas hat on. Everywhere you go, at stores, everything is decorated. Um, the, uh, the television shows all have advertisement for Christmas. All the major brands, all the major stores have a special... Christmas going on. And where you go, wherever you see it, you see the word joy. The joy to the world. This past week, uh, on Thursday, I had the privilege, the chance to uh, support my children and a number of the church's children at our San Diego Academy Elementary Christmas Program, the K-6 Christmas Program. And I just have to tell you how proud I am. Some of our very own 5th and 6th graders were leading the, uh, the pageant, uh, the, uh, the play, and they did a fantastic job. We had many kids represented as shepherds, angels, and little sheep. It was great. It was so awesome. And uh, when they came together and all the kids stood up, they began the pageant by singing the song, Joy to the World, Unspeakable Joy. It was really, really cool. The church was packed. I was so proud. I was so proud, in fact, that I thought our church should get some of that love, too. So I'm just going to go ahead and make this invitation for all the kids, K through 8, anyone under the 8th grade, if you want to be part of our Christmas pageant, come this Thursday. That's in a few days from now. Come this Thursday here to the church at 630 in the evening, and we'll get you in our Christmas pageant. Uh, you don't have to memorize any lines. You just got to come and uh, be part of our Christmas pageant because we will be celebrating here next Saturday on Christmas Eve on the 24th. Uh, and we'd love for you to come back, bring your family members and your friends, as Pastor Kayla mentioned. We'll even have a little reception afterwards for you to hang out. It's Christmas Eve. It'll be great. Joy to the world. We'll sing the song. It'll be fantastic. The problem, though, is as we approach Christmas uh, that we often hear about joy. But not all of us feel joyful. Okay. Are you feeling joyful today? Don't answer that. I just know, because I know, that in every family, you have the Christmas person who wants to decorate, is excited, wants to wrap gifts and buy gifts, and then every family has a Grinch, right? Do you know who the Grinch is in your family? If you don't know, it's probably you. <laughs> But you don't have to be a Grinch to feel a little blue around Christmas. See, when you hear the joy and the songs and the, uh, the radios blasting this 24-7, uh, sometimes we try to put on the joy face. But for some of us, that means we have to cram down all the other feelings deep down inside and put on the joyful face because it is Christmas. You see people and they're like, aren't you happy? It's Christmas. We try hard to create joy by thinking, well, if we just forget about our problems for a while, for these next couple of weeks as we get to Christmas, let's just ignore the things that we're dealing with and just try to be in the moment. But that's not the kind of joy that Christmas is all about. See, that kind of joy, the kind that is just based on an emotion, is momentary and it's shallow and short-lived. The gift of joy that God wants to give us in this season is different. It is deep. It is long-lasting. 
It is powerful. It can even hold us through moments of dark times and struggles. We'll talk a little bit later about experiencing uh, joy through this season. But for now, I just want you to come to our conversation with a little bit of honesty. If you're really happy here today, that's fantastic. But if you're not feeling joyful, it's okay too. If you, like us, have received some terrible news today, it's okay too. Come with an honest heart as we hear and wrestle with the words of God. And as we try today to unpack and unwrap the gift of joy. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, uh, this month uh, we have been going through a series that we've titled The Gifts of Christmas. It's something that we got from Outreach Magazine. It's been fantastic. A way to sort of celebrate and anticipate the advent of the baby born in a manger. Now, Advent means arrival, it means coming, and the season of Advent, uh, the weeks leading up to Christmas, is a season of expectation, anticipation, and longing. It actually allows us to connect with the ancient longings of our ancestors as they waited for the arrival of the Messiah. It's an opportunity to think how it must have felt for them, but to also celebrate that Jesus did come, and yet we still long for him to come again. In the first week, uh, when we met here, at the first week of December, we unwrapped the first gift of Christmas, the gift of hope, the gift of hope. And we spoke specifically about hope past, hope present, and hope future. We looked at some of the prophecies that God gave in the Old Testament that foretold the birth of Jesus. And just as God kept those promises, we were challenged to have hope in the present that he will keep his promises to us now, but also look forward to the promises that still have to be fulfilled. In the middle of our trials, we're reminded that God was faithful in the past, he is faithful now, and he will be present and faithful in the future. We also looked at the gift of love. This is what we talked about last week, and if you weren't here, let me just catch you up briefly. We talk about love around Christmas time, but it's, it's not always easy to understand the concept of love. So we challenged ourselves to accept the gift of love, to experience it, and then to share it. Today, we want to unwrap another gift, the gift of joy. The gift of joy. Joy to the world. This season, the Advent season, is a season to experience the joy of the Savior coming to the world. But it's more than just a feeling. It's, it's a joy that causes all kinds of celebrations. In fact, it's deep and powerful and pervasive. The Bible talks about this kind of joy as something that's more than just a happy feeling. No, uh, the psalm, in fact, the psalms talk about this joy as something that uh, encompasses the entire world. Take a look at this. This is from Psalms. 96, and this is the way the Bible describes this kind of joy. It says, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound in all that is in it, let the fields be jubilant and everything in them, let the trees of the forest sing for joy, and let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. The psalmist was trying to capture this sense in which the entire world is anticipating and celebrating the arrival of the baby. And I want us to be challenged by that idea that the gift of joy around this Christmas season is not a feeling. No, it is something else, something deeper, stronger, and wider. Can you imagine that? The trees singing. 
I know we live in San Diego and there's a bunch of palms. They don't sing that well. But when, when, when you go to the Midwest, you see these gigantic trees and they swing in the air and you can hear the wind whistling. The Bible says it's the trees that are singing. It's the sound of the ocean. That is more familiar to us. If you stand out there in sunset cliffs and you hear the sound and the roar of the ocean, the Bible says that's what joy is like. It anticipates. It celebrates. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the trees sing for joy. Let all of creation rejoice, for he comes. In this Advent season, we are preparing. We are expecting. But the challenge is that for many of us, we don't feel joy. So how will we celebrate joy to the world when we're just are not feeling it? You with me? How can we receive this gift of joy while our own experience is more like suffering or loneliness or pain or grief? How can we experience joy when life for some of us is just stressful or maybe, maybe boring? The Bible says joy to the world, but what if we're just not in the joyful place? I want us to look together and what the Bible says, and maybe it will help us unwrap this gift. Let's look together as we first anticipate joy. Have you ever been waiting for something and you waited so long that you forgot and you just figured it was never going to happen? I know that as a kid, every time I used to ask my parents with something, they would say, not today, but next time. You all with me? And next time, we just never come. And then, I don't know if that was their trick. They figured I would forget about it eventually. But have you ever waited for something for so long, you just, just gave up hope? You just figured it wasn't going to come? Or maybe, maybe you forgot uh, with the advent of, that's probably not the right word, but, but the arrival of Amazon Prime, that feeling for me has disappeared. If anybody knows what Amazon Prime is, you can like buy something and order it, and pretty soon drones will be delivered to your doorstep. But a long time ago, that wasn't the way. You had to order stuff, and it would take forever. Um, uh, we had this service one time. We were ordering a Christmas dress for my, my kids, but we ordered like back in October, and it just never came. It takes forever. And then you forget. And then one day, there's a package at the door. Oh, that's right. Has that ever happened to you? Have you had to wait for something so long that you just forgot that it was coming? It's a strange thing, but sometimes joy can be like that. You've probably heard of stories of uh, the postal service delivering letters or mail long after it was sent. There's some fantastic stories out there. Um, I read about a woman in her 80s who received a letter intended for her great-grandfather. In fact, the letter was written in 1877, and it arrived 138 years later. It wasn't a terribly important letter. It was just a letter about yarn for her grandfather's mill. And I don't know where it got stuck, but it finally was delivered. But then I read an even more uh, poignant story about a letter written by a father in India to his son in New York. The letter was delivered 14 years later. But when it came, it was especially significant. It was a handwritten letter. This is it, dated October 10, 2001, just a few short weeks after 9-11. 
And this father in India was concerned for his son who had been living in New York City. So he took time to write this handwritten letter to his son, expressing his concerns and his wishes that he and his grandchildren would be well. Of course, when it arrived in 2014, it was a little confusing for the son. He describes it in an essay he wrote for the Washington Post. And as he described it, he said that when he got the letter and he read, he was overcome with emotions. He was overcome with this deep reminder of his father with a sense of connection with him as he held in his hands a physical object created by his father. You see, his dad had died a few years earlier. And so in his hands, he had this letter written by his father who was already gone. He wrote in the article these words. He says, 14 years is a long time to wait for a letter, but rarely has one been more welcome. The expressions of concern in the letter is sadly still relevant today, but the physical letter itself, he says, was a real joy, certainly an unexpected joy, and one that was on its way the whole time. The letter would have been meaningful if it came in October 2001, but it took on an even deeper meaning after waiting so long. Joy can be that way. Whether we know it's coming or not, or whether been, we've been given hope for its arrival, when it arrives, it can surprisingly fill us with joy. When we started talking about uh, uh, the season, we talked about hope, and we looked at the story of the Israelites as they anticipated, as they waited, as they looked forward to the arrival of the Messiah. It became part of the fabric of their identity and who they were. The people of Israel waited for the Messiah for thousands of years. Can you imagine that, waiting your whole life for something? In fact, I imagine that many of them just figured it's, just, the Messiah is not coming. Some of them probably just carried on with life. They, they just figured, we talk about it, but it's not real. They just moved on. But the Bible tells us that others actually held out hope. They believed. They believed that the Messiah would come. And so they lived a life of active waiting. Their waiting was active. It had a meaning. It had a purpose. They lived every day in expectation of what was to come. And that's what allowed their hope to stay alive. Last week, we had family members visiting us. Uh, my middle daughter had a birthday recently in December, so we had family members come. Before they left, they told my daughter, uh, your present is coming by mail. They told her, we didn't have it with us, but it'll arrive by mail. And that little seed there put in her hope. So all week long, anytime the doorbell rings, she runs to the door because she's expecting that that will be her gift. Usually it's not. But it keeps her waiting. She just thinks, this might be the one. That's active waiting. It, it did come. It did come. And she was ecstatic when it came. But that's what active waiting means. It means living in expectation. Living in search of, awaiting, it builds anticipation. Joy is similar. Even if you don't feel joy right now, we can anticipate joy. We can anticipate. Just like they waited for the Messiah to come, we can anticipate that God's words for us are true, that he will deliver us. We can prepare to move on from discouragement into joy. 
by actively waiting for God to keep his words. The shepherds in our Christmas story are a good example of this. This is what the play was about, actually, on Thursday, about the shepherds. And the Bible tells us that as the shepherds waited on that hill, when the angels showed up, they did not experience joy at first. In fact, uh, they were scared. This is what the Bible says. <clears throat> Uh, as we read that particular story, it says that the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. When the angel first appeared, they were not expecting. So they were scared. But the angel helped them move after addressing their fear. He helped them move from fear to joy by telling them that the Messiah had arrived, that all the things that they had been waiting for and anticipated had happened. And by the end of the night, the shepherds actually, they got it. In fact, later in Luke, in, in verse 20, the Bible says that after visiting the baby, they returned praising and singing songs and rejoicing because everything that got, they had been told actually happened. That is what anticipating means. It means that we know what's coming. We know that Christ has come, but we also know that Christ is coming. We can celebrate with everything that he's done, but we can also anticipate something that he's going to do. So if we're going to receive the gift of joy, we have to anticipate joy. This is the season where we're looking forward to, and in our lives, that is what I want to challenge you to do today, to anticipate that God will take you through this season, even as you struggle with the realities of today. About seven years ago, I had accepted my first uh, senior pastor position, and um, don't tell him, but I did not know what I was doing. After a few months of being the senior pastor, I was lost. I was depressed. I was afraid, and I felt alone. And in my desperation, I cried out to God, and I said, I don't think I could do this. I don't want to do it. I wanted to send in my letter, as it were. And in my desperation, I cried out to God and I said, please help me. And he sent me in his wisdom to this conference. I remember this day, I arrived on a Thursday morning. It was a leadership conference for me, like a last straw in terms of pastoral ministry. And there I was in this crowd in a darkened room and I began to hear words and it was as if God was speaking to me. And I encountered this, uh, this person, doesn't know I exist, his name is Andy Stanley. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> this is what he said. We need not allow the realities of today to overshadow our dreams for tomorrow. See, I was in a situation, and you might find yourself there in this season, where I felt trapped, I felt overwhelmed, and I just, I just couldn't see a way out. And I was at this conference, and people were talking about how they were part of amazing churches and doing things, and I just felt like that's never going to happen to me. I felt alone and isolated. And then this man began to speak these words, and he said, don't let the realities of today, don't let what you're going through today overshadow what's possible tomorrow. They handed out these little buckets, these yellow buckets, I remember. At first I was like, what is this for? But now I call it my bucket of dreams. Around that bucket, I wrote these words. We need not allow, I need not allow the realities of today to overshadow my dreams of tomorrow. Here's why I'm telling you that. 
see, that day in that room, unknown by anyone, I dreamt of a day. I dreamt of a time and a place where I could be part of a church that loved singing. I dreamt of a day where I could be part of a community where I wasn't the only one doing all the work. I felt of a, I, I dreamt of a day where people would partner with me, with people with other gifts, could do things on behalf of the church, that they would be just as passionate, that they would stay later than I would. But as I looked at my realities, I said, that would never happen. I looked at where I was and I said, that's not possible. And this man spoke to me and he said, don't let the realities of today rob you of what's possible tomorrow. And I began to dream of it. And the reason I'm telling you today is because this day as I stand before you, those dreams are a reality for me. I'm so grateful to God for this community. I'm so grateful to God that when I come here, Every Saturday and during the week, I meet with amazing people who are just as passionate about God as I am, who partner with me. I'm not the first to arrive. I'm not the last to leave. And there are people committed each and every week to making this amazing thing happen. And for me, seven years ago, that seemed like an impossibility. And yet today, it's a reality. But it's only, reality, it's only a reality because that day, I chose not to quit and not to give up, but instead to begin to dream and to anticipate and to believe that a day of joy would come. And I want to invite you to do the same. Whatever reality is that you're living through today, if it's dark and it's difficult, if you're dealing with loss, if you're dealing with pain and struggle, I want you to begin to anticipate what God will do next in your life. I want you to begin to think about and imagine and dream what is possible, even if it's not real right now. Do not let the realities of today overshadow your dreams of tomorrow. For the people of Israel, this was true. God told them, you are enslaved right now, but a day will come. The book of Isaiah says, I've heard your cries. And let me tell you this, a day will come when a son will be born. A child will be born unto you and you will call his name Comforter. The mighty God. That was not a reality at the time, but God gave them something to expect, something to anticipate, that a day would come where their baby would be born. And that day would be a day where the trees would sing and the oceans would roar and the angels would proclaim joy to the world. You and I can live in anticipation of joy, even if it's not a reality today. Anticipate joy. But you must also recognize joy. Have you ever wondered why out of all the people in the world, only three wise men followed the star to the, uh, to the manger? Uh, my wife likes to talk about the star and how... Um, God was doing cosmic things that night. He was moving stars to lead people to the birthplace of the baby Jesus. God was moving and shaping the universe. The Bible tells us that it was a bright star in the sky and that it would lead people. But only three, only three wise men followed a star. Have you ever wondered why uh, all the Jews who had all these promises or the Gentiles who could, I imagine they could see it. It's like a star. But no one else 
said, ooh, I wonder what that is. No one else imagined. No one else dared look. Why they all missed it. They didn't recognize this meaning. See, but for them, these men, they recognized joy. They recognized what God had said. They recognized that God was calling them, and because they recognized it, they were able to find joy. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 says this, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, if you're feeling a little blue today, try this. Just say the word frankincense. Works every time. Like you can't say frankincense and not feel a little bit of something, right? It's not even a word we use, but just if somebody's mean to you, just go frankincense and it'll change everything. It is the gift, it is a joy of the wise men that come. They bring, they bring frankincense. It's so cool, but only because they recognize the star. They recognize the star. The Bible tells us that they traveled a long way. They traveled a long way. And I imagine they encountered a lot of challenges along the way. We know that they met with Herod, and Herod tried to throw them off the scent. Some scholars believe that they even lost their way, their navigational way along the way. But they persevered. They kept seeking, even when things didn't, weren't working out, because they recognized that joy was going to arrive at the world. And they were filled with joy as they responded to it, able to bring their gifts, including frankincense. Friends, it's hard to recognize joy sometimes in our lives, right? Especially because joy doesn't always look the way we expect it to. See, when people think about joy, they think hakuna matata, right? No worries for the rest of your life, a worry-free philosophy. But that's not what joy is. It doesn't look that way. People think in order to be joyful, in order to be happy, in order to express joy, everything has to be going well, no problems. But the Bible actually says something completely different. The Bible tells us that joy actually is found in the middle of our hardships, in the middle of problems. In fact, the Bible says that joy can be found because of hard things. Look at this. The book of James, chapter 1, says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You believe that? The Bible is saying when you're struggling, that's joy. It's a little counterintuitive, I know. But it's because joy, in the Bible sense, is not a feeling. It's not just, ooh, I'm happy. It's not a... Simba and Pumbaa and Timon. It's not that kind of a feeling. It's something deeper. It's richer. It lights the way in the middle of the darkness. And you and I need to recognize that joy comes from trials. Because trials, challenges, the things that you're going through, they produce perseverance. It's what allows us to continue to believe in God and to claim that God will deliver us so that when he does, it'll grow our faith. Friends, what you and I are going through right now, the problem, the challenge, the hurt and the pain that you're going through right now will someday become a seed of faith for someone else's journey with God. Someday what you're living through right now will propel someone else to believe in God. That's why the Bible says, consider it joy. It may not feel that way, 
but that's what it will bring. So we must anticipate joy, recognize joy, and today I also want you to challenge, to be challenged to choose joy. Now I know this is a little bit hard, especially hard when you're around your family <clears throat> and you're the Grinch. And then your family tells you, cheer up. Just, you know, put a smile on your face and, and make do. Because the thing is, with joy, you can't just, like, try really, really hard and make it happen. You with me? I mean, they say that if you smile, you will feel a little bit better. But joy, this deep, unending kind of feeling, isn't one that you can muster up. You can't just stomp your feet and try really hard. That's not joy. See, joy is a gift. The Bible says that joy is the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't come from us. We cannot create it. It comes from God. But what the Bible says is that we can choose to live in the ways that God says will bring us joy. That we can do. We can choose joy. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like being healthier, working out. I know New Year's Day, some of y'all are going to make that thing. I'm going to live healthier. But you know all there is to know it, but just by knowing it, you can't go, oh, be healthier, right? You have to actually go for a walk and exercise and do it. You actually have to make some choices. You can't say, oh, be buff. Like, that doesn't happen. You have to actually do something about it. You have to make choices. And while we can't just concentrate hard and become joyful, the Bible tells us that we can choose certain things that will lead us to joy. The first thing we can do is that we can choose gratitude. We can choose to be grateful. I know we kind of did this a little bit during the Thanksgiving season, but I want you to try it. When you don't feel joyful, give thanks. You can even try to do it out loud. I'm going to do it right now. I'm super thankful today for my family. I put them through a lot, coming to church early, staying late. My wife is on all these worship teams, but I'm super thankful for them. I'm so thankful for my team. Sharon has been my rock this week, like a big sister going with me to places I didn't want to go by myself. Sharon has been my rock. I'm super thankful for Pastor Kayla. Last week, she had this young and free party. I heard all the fun in there, and I was like, yes, that is so amazing, so awesome. I'm super thankful for my church. Can you do it? Can you express some gratitude out loud? Okay, here's what we're going to do. I want you to just think of something, especially those of you that are Grinches, and you're not feeling joyful. I want you to think of one thing, and on the count of three, I just want you to say it out loud. Say, God, I'm thankful for, and just say it out loud. Can you do it? Can you do it? Especially those of you that are frowning at me right now. You. It's for you. Specifically for you. Okay? Here we go. On the count of three, we're all going to say it. Okay? Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. God, I'm thankful for Christmas music. You're smiling already. Just try it. Be thankful. Express it. It's counterintuitive because we don't feel joyful. We actually want to complain, right? We want to complain. We want to say, oh, this, oh, that, oh, this Christmas music is making me sick. But in order for us to open our hearts to joy, we have to express gratitude. We have to express gratitude. In your verse for today, the Apostle Paul says this. It's in your bulletin. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Everybody say all. All, all circumstances. 
Rejoice, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We have to choose gratitude, but by choosing gratitude, it will lead us to joy. The next thing we have to do is choose to obey. We have to choose to obey. In John chapter 15, verse 11, um, uh, Jesus tells his disciples a secret to joy. In fact, um, these were his words. He says, I have told you this, the secret, so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. You want to know what the secret is? It's in a verse prior, prior in, 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 in John 15, 10. Jesus says, obey my commands. Obey my commands. Now, I know that sounds weird, right? How would obedience lead to joy? See, we can't muster up joy, but if we follow God's instructions, it will lead us towards things that are good for us. It will lead us in the path to receive blessings. If we follow God's commands and his instructions and his will for our lives, we will avoid things that cause injury and move towards things that bring blessing. So if we're going to choose joy, we have to choose to be obedient. But like gratitude, obedience isn't natural. It is something that we have to practice, something that we have to pursue. We won't always get, get things right, but if we align ourselves with God and with his word and we try to understand his ways, then we open up ourselves to the good fruit of those choices. We open up ourselves to receive his joy. And the last thing that God wants us to do here is to choose to abide also from John 15. You'll recognize the phrase, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. See, Jesus' invitation here was for us to learn to be in relationship with him. The gift of joy of the Christmas season isn't a temporary thing. In fact, the gift of joy is actually an invitation to a relationship. Jesus used that metaphor to say, if you and I stay connected, you will remain in me. You will abide in me. I will be in you. You will be in me just as I am in the Father and the Father is in me. See, friends, the Christmas season is not about an event, although we'll celebrate it that way. It's about a relationship. It's about a God-Father who wanted to draw closer to us, so he came down himself in the form of a child so he could be with us, so we could see him, talk to him, touch him, get to know him. And it is his desire and his intention even today that he would live with you. The book of Revelation says that Jesus stands at the door of our hearts and he knocks. And he says, if anyone will open and let me in, I will come in. I will be with you. Jesus said, when he left, I will send you the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit will be with you, a counselor, always to be with you, to guide you in these ways, so that you might know that I will never leave you nor forsake you. The gift of joy can only be unwrapped if you and I stay in relationship with Jesus. It's not an event. It's not a thing. It's not an emotion. It's a relationship. And as we look forward here in this Advent season to the day of Christmas, to the celebrations and the pageants and the joy to the world, I want to invite you to open up this gift, to unwrap it, 
to choose with gratitude, obedience, and to make time in your life for Jesus. You don't have to do anything weird. You can be alone in your room, in the car, in the store, and just take a moment and open up your heart and your mind and talk to him. Abiding with Jesus, yes, does mean spending time in the Word, but it also means opening up your spirit to hear from God, to tell Him, to talk to Him. Jesus says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. It is our dream here in this community that we not just be a church that talks about these things, but that we live it. And that's why we're continually inviting you to enter into relationships. And this coming year, we'll make an invitation, let me just make it right now, for all of you to participate in an initiative we're calling A Connected Life. During the hour between our services, we're going to meet all together in the social hall and invite all of you, no matter what walk of life you're from, young, old, in between, to come together and abide with one another. Let's talk to one another. Let's share the word of God together. And more importantly, let's pray for one another. I know here during our worship services, we sing and we praise God, but you don't often get the chance to share your heart. We want to give you that invitation and that opportunity, starting in the first Sabbath of the new year. For this is how we choose joy. We open up ourselves to relationships. And so I invite you to unwrap this gift the gift of joy, joy, even in the middle of our challenges. Would you please stand and sing with us as we anticipate and as we pray and as we ask for God to come, for God to come in the season of admin and for God to come again in the season of salvation.